This episode of Digging the Crates is sponsored by Who Sampled, the world's largest community for fans of sampled music, cover songs and remixes. Created out of a collective passion for sampling, music history and music production, Who Sampled explores the DNA of music. To find out more, go to whosampled.com. Digging the Crates. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 1 of Digging the Crates, brought to you by The Find. My name is Vice Beats. The podcast focuses on exploring the art, passion and culture of hip-hop, going beyond the typical questioning and digging deeper into the passions, inspirations and experiences of those involved in the scene's rich culture. Before we continue, we'd like to thank Sick Film for the incredible visuals for the show, from the trailers to episode graphics. You can check him out at sickfilm.net. Sick is S-I-C. We'd also like to thank Herma Puma for our new intro music and Jabber the Cup for the intro scratches. We're taking things up a notch this time. As you will have seen from the graphics, each episode's visuals are an ode to a classic hip-hop album. This time round, of course, being the Incredible Roots album, Do You Want More? So, it's time to get into it. Our first guest is a personal favourite of mine, an MC, producer and DJ who's worked with some of the very best hip-hop has to offer. With numerous standout tracks and albums along the way, this man is a genuine example of someone who loves hip-hop and continually brings high-quality, genuine music to the table. This is Digging the Crates with J-Live. And now for our feature presentation. All right, here, here we go. Peace, what up, y'all? This is Jay Live, and right now you're digging in the crates with Vice Beats and The Find. Peace. Jay Live, welcome to Digging the Crates. How you doing, man? I'm good, thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. Of course, man. Of course, of course. So I just wanted to start off really by asking you how you first got into hip-hop and like which aspect of hip-hop was the first thing you were introduced to? Ah, well, uh, as the story goes, I'd say it started around somewhere between 6th and 7th grade. I grew up in Spanish Harlem, uh, New York, which is, you know, the Upper East Side of Manhattan. Um, My mother would send me to Indiana for uh, the summers, you know, while, while she had to work when I wasn't in school. So a lot of my music during my elementary years was just all kinds of, was kind of all over the place. I was listening to, you know, a lot of hair bands, you know, Bon Jovi, uh, Def Leppard, um, you know, Van Halen, uh, stuff like that. And, you know, of course, Sade and, and Anita Baker, you know, from my mother's influence and, you know, a lot of different soul but I wasn't really immersed in hip-hop culture because I didn't spend my summers in New York. I would spend my summers in Indiana at my grandmother's cul-de-sac, you know, in the basement building model airplanes, you know? <laughs> so 
my cousins would also visit from Grand Rapids. We had cousins all over the country that would come to my grandmother's and stay for a while. And some were from Grand Rapids, some were from Seattle, you know. And so and most of them were older than me. So they kind of introduced me to hip hop via LL Cool J's radio, the Run DMC's Raising Hell. You know, I kind of went on to follow by the time, you know, Bigger and Deffer came out and Tougher Than Leather came out and, and Kumo D's How You Like Me Now. Those were my first uh, hip hop cassettes. By the time I went to seventh grade, I'd switched from this private Presbyterian school on the west side of Manhattan uh, to Central Park East, which is on 106th and Madison, which is, you know, like right where the uh, the graffiti wall of one of the one of the graffiti hall, uh, walls of fame, where like Tat Crew would throw up. You know, that just you know put me smack dab in the, in the barrio, and you know a whole new demographic of of, of fellow students. And, you know, I've, I've kind of just never looked back and been hip-hop ever since. So, you know, I was playing basketball on the corners. Uh, and some of my friends that I play basketball with, you know, we would rhyme, you know, just, you know, just messing around. And uh, I had a little belt drive turntable from my mother. <laughs> and I would use that to form my first scratches and, you know, use the, uh, nice. the, the tape to phono as the, as the crossfader to, to learn how to get both hands coordinated. And I ended up building a makeshift studio with a, a boom box or Walkman and, that, and that, that, that turntable. That's amazing. Yeah. And like we would all kind of wrap into the little internal mic on the boom box with the turntable stereo speaker playing the scratches and the Walkman with the little triangle cassette speaker playing a pause mix beat. <laughs> so like, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I put together that little studio and like you could hear the traffic outside, you know what I'm saying? Like the window was open. We were just, you know, rapping over a beat and I would scratch between verses. And, uh, uh, you know, I don't have any of those those recordings, but they probably be worth, like, they'd probably be in a museum somewhere. <laughs> but, yeah, that, that's, that was my introduction. And then um, in the Source magazine, I got, uh, you know, all the while, I should say, I was listening to uh, Red Alert and Chuck Chillout and Molly Marl, who would control, yeah. like, two stations every weekend, you know, BLS and KISS FM. Mm-hmm. Um, so Friday, Chuck Chillout would play from, like, you know, nine or ten o'clock until like the wee hours. Yeah, boy, just chill out talking y'all out there in your chorus. This is number one rap show in New York City. Saturday, Red Alert would play from nine to ten to the wee hours, and at the same time, P. Rock and Molly Marr would play on on another station, and then after they would go off, uh, Special K and Teddy Ted, you know, the Awesome Two had a show from like five in the morning or something. So there was like, you'd have to wait till the weekends to hear hip hop. And, um, <laughs> you know, between that and Video Music Box, Ralph McDaniels playing all the videos and like showing all the parties and then going to the parties in my neighborhood as I grew older and DJing those parties, you know, in the project centers around my way, uh, you know, making mixtapes. That was, that was my introduction and, you know, my immersion into the culture. Oh, that sounds amazing. <laughs> it's like le- legit hip hop roots. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I mean, you said about like the scratching and MC inside. I mean, where 
when when it was early days, did you find that there was one of those areas that you gravitated more towards, or did you just no, feel like was, you wanted to do everything? They were twins. <laughs> they were like uh, <laughs> rapping and DJing. You know, pretty much started for me at the same time, and that's that's kind of why I have, a, I have a song called Wax Paper, and um, the song is about a it's a story. It's about a pair of twins who are both assassins, and you know they're, they're like hitmen for money. Until yes. one of them decides he doesn't want to kill for money anymore. He wants to kill for sport. As I start from scratch about this born suspect named me, a street legend. Pulling hits was his infatuation. From birth, his first spoken word was tech. So by the age of 12, you could guess what would dominate his conversation. He had a twin brother born to the park. One was dark, one was light, neither was right. Taking turns, letting off shots to move crowds with the needle point aim and the infrared sight. So they ruled the night. His tone arms stayed tipped with the nickel plated. So even in the crossfire, they were never faded. It was debated that still play was overrated but they negated all competitors to try to state it the beginning the first 16 bars i'm i'm, I'm mentioning elements of uh, the technique's 1200 turntable but the whole song was really kind of an analogy between my left and right hands because i'm sort of left hand dominant as a dj but i'm right-handed as a writer so the, the twins are actually my hands and my right hand <laughs> decided to focus more on writing than, than djing <laughs> have you ever tried doing both at the same time? I mean, that, that, that could oh, be a yeah. truly I'm, unique skill. That's kind of my claim to fame. Whenever I do bragging rights, uh, I perform it live over the turntables and I, you know, I backspin the beat and while I'm rapping. <laughs> that's mad, man. It's like Anderson Pat Blunt, like drumming and singing yeah, at the same yeah. time. Or like, you know, um, you know uh, anybody that, that plays the piano and sings at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's what, uh, I guess it's one of those, those connections that you don't necessarily people do see people do those two things particularly yeah, together yeah, a few of us. I, mean, I know Edan is uh he's pretty he yes. has like a, a one-handed style where he does and i know there's a there's a few other artists that do it um grandmaster kaz is the earliest one that i know of that was doing it lord finesse i heard does it as well but it's you know i don't def, certainly don't have a patent on it it's just been the thing that people associate with me for the most part so how did you move from the mc and the dj inside into the production aspect like what was the path into that well i feel like those three skill sets um you know kind of beget each other to where yeah. you know as a dj you have a really good sense of the anatomy of beats and you can you can kind of get a grasp on how they're made because of how they're played and as an MC, you have an advantage as a producer because you're, you know, you. it's almost like a, a tailor who also loves to wear a good suit, you know what I mean? Or, or you know, a dressmaker that, that, that's, you know, very shapely and looks good in a dress. So they know what they want so they can kind of cater to themselves and then relate to other artists in that same way. So by 2000, you know, I had learned how to use um, uh, the Akai S950, the um, the the ASR10, and I, you know, I, didn't, I never wanted to consider myself a producer until I had my own machine to work with. Mm-hmm. So in, in 2000, I got an MPC 2000 XL, and I never looked back. Nice. Oh, that sounds good. So I. Out of all the tracks you've done, is there a track that you feel like you're proudest of today or you've got a favourite track that you've mm. created? 
It's hard to pick a favorite. You know, it's kind of like, you know, each, each track is your child, and I have, you know, almost thousands of children <laughs> in that regard. Um, there are certain standouts that I'm, I'm proud of from a craftsmanship standpoint. Uh, a lot of people would, would probably guess them that's not because of the tempo switch and the, and the, the, the different cadences. Upon a time, there was a brother named Castro who had a little problem with his cash flow. Word. More than once upon a time, he had a dream o'clock mad dough. Only at the time, he seemed mad absurd. Then he saw a light bulb flash up in his forehead, shine so bright he had to close both eyes. Said whoever hit him for the average poor asshole about to be hit for the biggest surprise. Now, meanwhile, still short on pocket pissing, not to mention any window to throw it out. Looking like who don't you want and where to come from? Sipping on chicken wings, smacking on stout. Step to his boy, the label of the month, like yo, what's the half kid? Let me get the deal. Got a dope style sound just like so, so, what's the name? Brother for me, even more ill. Make you wanna holler like Marvin. Uh. Did I mention I'm starving and quite thirst? Meaning what? Meaning that I'ma do whatever it takes to make sure to play my shit first on the billboard and last on the countdown. Like contact on that show. So, what's up, like yo, how that sound? If you down to come on, let's go. There's a song, uh, Don't Play from my early works where the, the words that rhyme in the first verse are the same words that rhyme in the third Sing verse in, in a, you know, reverse yeah. order. It's been a long time coming, but the blood doesn't flow with the weight. As we dead on the damn debate, anticipate this change gonna come. You damn straight. Now I stop till my name preceded by the great I get around like digital pop can bend around like the ice cream Chuck on your block and hold it down with the squirt gun Keeping you sick, spitting around tight wisdom Thinking you think if you around like sweetheart You can reflect, don't put it down cause you need all You can respect, I know it sound not quite like what you expect Type underground meaning not just added the check If you predict this, miss, you can hardly detect Control you up plus six, then you stand correct Lost and found, no joke If you sleep in neglect, it's suck a dick Still it's poking out the back of your neck Now bring it in There's uh, All In Together Now on All Of The Above Where the first uh, Basically I wrote it So that I could recite the first, third, fifth, seventh line And then the second, fourth, sixth, eighth line <laughs> And then run the, run the whole thing back all together And I did that like twice Yo, every now and then you you don't the menu. Grab that shit, kid. Everybody else did. And then, like lyrically, there's songs like uh, "Worlds Apart," where I'm, I'm just—I just feel like they're really, th- you know, the content is very important and I guess nutrient dense, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's there's a bunch of different songs I'm very proud of. I'm, I'm proud of all of them to some degree, but some more than others for sure. Yeah. Involved in the conversation, use the hashtag DTC Podcast. Yeah, they say the first world NATO, second world Soviet, third world neutral, but the Cold War's over. NASA versus Sputnik, space technology, can't solve poverty, but got a Mars rover. Old world Europe, new world Americas, third world countries, face mass hysteria. Old world Harley, new world not even, third world where they both stay even. First world problems, third world repercussions, concussions and cuts, the Red Cross can't bandage. Every vantage point show who had a disadvantage. Boss the whole globe around but still can't manage. To take care of our own, treat our home like a broad, so disrespected. The right selected to be protected. Leave so many wrongs neglected. America's dream sex shop rejected. Can't atone for the disenfranchised. You're not even contrite to the disrespected shit. Blood on your hands runs deep, can't disinfect it. The sins of the father get resurrected. So do you play any instruments or anything, or is it how do you tend to create the, the tracks you're making? 
Um, I play the turntable. You know, when people ask me, you know, when I, people say, what do you do? I say, you do, I do music. They say, oh, you're a musician. What do you play? I say, the turntable. <laughs> um, you know, and, and I'm a vocalist as well. So, like, I, you know, a good vocalist uses their voice as, a, as an instrument, for, yeah, sure, for sure, whether they're singing or rapping, because, you know, when, you, when you're dealing with, you know, that kind of rhythm and syncopation and the parameters of a time signature, you know, besides the artistry of writing to a beat, you know, just writing to your ability as a performer and being able to push the envelope in that regard is, is a skill. Um, it so happens I play a little piano. Um, I played the cello for a little while. I'm semi-musical literate. Like, um, I'm not good enough to read and write and play live. Mm. But you know, if you lock me in a room, I can I can figure it out. <laughs> you know? Kind of get it so that you can compose with it, like exactly. Play a bit. Exactly. Yeah. I know enough. I don't know much, but I know just enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm the same. I'd, I'd never step up on stage and play piano, but I can, right, exactly. I can work out the right chops to make exactly. it sound nice. <laughs> exactly. Like, uh, you, you don't put a, an NBA player on a football field. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, no one wants to be Jordan in Space Jam, really, do they? Right. So, not, not the right route. <laughs> I mean, you've worked with so many artists over time, from Atmosphere to Next Men, kind of linguist, Jazzy Jeff, Newmark, pretty much everyone who's respected within the scene you seem to have tapped into in some way and collaborated with. I mean, how how have you found over time that those collaborations have come about i think for me it's always been organic it's always been um you know obvious besides the obvious uh we have a budget and a label that can reach out to artists you know that, that i couldn't necessarily afford by myself you mm-hmm. know that happened but the collaborations it's not like they haven't been far-fetched you know what i mean it's, it's not like uh peanut butter and pickles you know what i mean it's it's <laughs> It's been been a natural sort of thing. So um, sometimes it'll happen through the label. Sometimes it'll happen through management. Sometimes you tour with the artist and you end up working together because there's a camaraderie and a rapport. Uh, Sometimes you just reach out uh, because you have some friends in common. You know, any possible way you can expect it to happen is how it happens. And then, you know, nowadays in the age of social media, you kind of befriend people that you haven't even met. You know, yeah. and, and you know, groups like the Foreign Exchange can come about. You know, like uh, it's a beautiful yeah. thing. You know, I think the fact that you just at the end of the day, you're dealing with like-minded artists that speak the same language and relate on some level, and, and mm-hmm. there's a mutual respect, and you end up working together. You know, sure. If you're digging the crates with Vice Beats. Skies and green rivers travel the globe, amazed how every scene differs. My scenes on K2, I dream bigger. To Mother Earth, I bow like when a queen enters. Life's so beautiful, it's musical, I sing along. But it's inhabitants so quickly say I'm singing wrong. Well, let's rehearse. I'll sing the hook, you take the verse. Let's build a bridge. If you ain't feeling it, then let's reverse. We'll make it work over time with open mind. Hope is dying. Let's fix the broken so folk can shine. I wanna help secure fortress, past torches, be 
worse about more than fast portions and staying perched on porches, taking self-portrait after self-portrait. You treat it like horseshit. Got all the beauty in this world and you ignore it. But you don't see the trees or the forest. You forfeit. Spot. I love the pyramids. Now you wonder if I built them? A galactic pilgrim soaking in the atmosphere. Nice place to visit, but I wouldn't want to live here. So, do you prefer collaborating or do you prefer working on your own? I prefer collaborating. I think uh, a lot of the work that I do on my own is sort of DIY, like uh, mm. out of necessity more so than, uh, than preference. But um, I also, you know, I'm, a, I'm an only child, so I'm. It's 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 close, you know what I mean? Like like I, I would yeah. love to collaborate with people, but I don't have a problem working by myself at all, you know. And I, I've been pretty prolific on my own as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean you've created so many songs over time, haven't you? I mean, out of the the different places you mentioned touring, out of the different places you've been to, you found there's certain countries that seem to have adopted your music more than others, and or you found that you've had a better experience there. I don't know about better. I have certain favorite places for sure. But um, the one thing I've learned traveling the world is if, you know, if a country has enough people to, to book me to come perform, they're pretty diehard fans. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, if I get all the way out to Brazil, you know, they're not going to be indifferent about it. Um, you know, when I go to South Africa, they're not, they're not indifferent about it. You know, like, whereas... I think that's the thing that artists always make the comparison with the states. They say the states aren't passionate enough. No, the states are passionate. It's just this. It's it's a little easier to take for granted the the availability of of native artists. And I yeah. think you know the same is found in the state. You know wherever you are. So like, a lot of times if you go on tour with an artist, wherever the artist is from, that might be. You know, it, it could be the strongest turnout, but it also could be the weakest turnout, depending on, you know, how often they've already seen that artist or how, you know, how they might expect to just, oh, I can catch him anytime, I'll catch him next time. But when someone comes, you know, across an ocean, then there's a, there's a little bit more of a, of a zeal about making sure you catch him, you know? Yeah, for sure. I get what you mean. No, it's it's a it's that kind of unique quality, isn't it? I mean, we, it's definitely find it here that whenever there's overseas artists, they'll pack out a place much more than the local guys who, you know, they may be on an equal footing, but not yeah, not in the not in the eyes of of gig goers. For sure, but then conversely, I've done it long enough that I've watched scenes grow in certain countries, 
So like uh, I was, I used to joke that the first time I came to the UK was um 95, 96. And I did every little city. I did like I did Ipswich, Leeds, I did uh, Liverpool, Manchester, uh, London, uh, Nottingham. Brighton. The common, like one of the things I would hear a lot is, we, you know, we love when rappers come from the states because we don't like to hear rap in a British accent. <laughs> and this was, you know, '96. And fast forward, you know, there's whole genres of British, you know, British hip hop. You know, there's, there's grime. There's there's all of these different, you know, subsets of yeah. music that are native to the UK. And I think like. You know, I would do shows in Sweden and hear people rapping in English and then come back and hear people rapping in Swedish. You know what I mean? I would uh, <laughs> I would do shows in South Africa and meet. Actually, I do shows in Germany and meet groups from South Africa where, you know, prophets of the city where like, uh, you know, the DJ comes from behind the turntables and starts rapping. The rapper goes behind the turntables. The other rapper starts breakdancing and the DJ <laughs> starts breakdancing and the other brother rapper goes behind the turntables. You know what I mean? So, like... <laughs> Like, uh, the way the hip-hop is, you know, grown worldwide, you know, like, you, you could pick up a coffee table book of, you know, people's home studios and famous producers that you've, that you've grown up listening to. And the coffee table book was written and produced in Australia. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah, for sure. Like, it's, 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 you know, it's one, it's, it's very global, the culture, you know? Yo, it's about that time for me to let about that mouth the mind Something you want to rewind that'll let you unwind Enhanced by time like vintage wine You heard it through the grapevine that it's all on the line For now on the never, I'ma break through the shine Peer through the clouds, sprout through the concrete For what it's all about or disappear into the night Well, I doubt that the stakes are that high Not quite do or die, more like die you do That's what I'm going through So Jake can get live at a venue near you That's why I quit the job way back in 02 the upgrade, what? the upgrade, the upgrade, the upgrade. We not here now, merely to survive off rap. We trying to eat more healthy than that, so not to tread water, but to run laps. But see my legs been cramping since the start of gun clap. Not too many in the pool survive from that. So I learned how to stretch to avoid those traps. Stroke 9,000 miles and back. I know it don't look like I swim or run track, but I'm flowing over beats like that. You understand? It's the upgrade. The upgrade. So many shots in the air, spin the discus into a smash javelin spears. Long jump, hot jump, so many hurdles in here. Take a pole, I'll vault into the vault with the greats, whether soul funk jazz or that straight up raw rap sound. I fill in your forefront and your background. On the business side, I'm picking up the slack now, so we can stay paid in the shade. You gotta call this the upgrade. How are you finding the current hip-hop scene? I mean, are you finding there's any artists that are up and coming that you're particularly enjoying? And, and how are you finding it being an artist within this more social media-focused time? I think it's beautiful. I wouldn't go so far as to say that the lit, that the playing field is level because it's still dictated by dollars and it yeah. still takes a certain amount of money to break through on, on a massive scale. But I think, you know, when you talk about 
the long tail that allows and affords everyone to have their own audience. You know, and it doesn't have to be that much bigger than a community for you to be successful. And a niche, you know, there's so many, there's so much room for your niche. You can be whoever you want to be and find people that relate to you enough to sustain. You know what I mean? So having said that, I think it's beautiful Um, on a grand scale in terms of what what represents the culture at large to people outside looking in. Uh, I think there's room for a lot of misgivings and, and misunderstandings, you know, but the, the people that, you know, critique hip hop for, you know, the content and, you know, how, how productive it chooses to be as a whole, they, they really have to dig deeper and see just how wide the spectrum is, you know? No, I get you. Yeah, it's, uh, it's mad, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's so public and yet it still feels like it's hidden in its own way oh, in terms yeah. of the it's, I mean you used that, that yeah I mean you used that really nice phrase of, of it being nutrients earlier and it's like that idea that it's almost the the soil that's being being actually taken from the ground isn't the greatest but there's this really sort of rich nutrient based soil underneath that's just waiting to come up and it feels like it's still waiting that little oh, bit yeah. but, oh, but yeah. it's closer untapped resources for sure I mean like that's why I have um a playlist that I curate called Hot Versus Dope, where I, you know, and the tagline is uh, "New Hip Hop You Know and Don't Know." You know, where you'll see I'll, I'll put you know the latest from you know the Travis Scotts of the world, right next to like the Chopins of the world. So you like artists that you know, if you listen to the songs and had no idea who either of them were, you couldn't tell which one was you know commercially successful and which one was you know relatively new because the quality is the same but yeah. you know you listen and it's like okay well if you like this maybe check this out and you know millions of dollars weren't spent getting this to you but you're here so enjoy you know yeah for sure i mean in terms of your your steps with your career i mean you you talked about how you got into hip-hop in the early days but how did you get from that point to the point of touring and producing your own records and so on like what was your your path into the industry at, at large well um i so happened to get an internship with a man named george somers who basically had a his, his little home studio production company that he was working on and this was in you know junior year of high school and we had established a rapport such that by the, by my sophomore year of college, I was like, all right, well, look, you got beats, I got rhymes, let's, you know, put out a single. And we did, and it happened to be Longevity and Bragging Rights. And, you know, with the help of, you know, DJs like Stretch and Bobito, uh, Benny B, uh, Kevy Kev, and getting, you know, unsigned hype and, you know, just, it, it kind of took off. And from there... We parlayed that into a deal with uh, Payday Records. And unfortunately, you know, the deal with Payday and London and Polygram fell through before the first record. But by the time it fell through, the first record was very highly anticipated. So I was able to maneuver that into a long independent career. And that's that's why we're talking right now. Nice. <laughs> long <story. laughs> That's crazy. And it's mad to think that it all started with bragging rights as well. I mean, it's, yeah, that was it's the first, really that was stood the test of time. The single, yeah. <laughs> Damn, that's crazy. Scraping it below the turf for what it's worth. My style's been developed in the core of the earth. 
the exhale's volcanic, the inhale is seismic, so brothers just panic when the live one arrives with the natural ability to run through your crew on 214-213 to 212, in other words from Dallas to LA to the place where they stay, every day is late day, so you can talk your shit on how you're wetting MCs with mad blood stains, but I bet you can't stand the rain, I'm looking on your brain with the stain, go back and reflect on my endeavors, black, I can't complain, it's like some no shit, consistent with the way I make you feel The ends stay revealed while the means I conceal And those who try to steal get decapitated You wanna snatch my H2O-type flows, that shit evaporated I displays my credentials over instrumentals And my potential increases at the rate that's exponential It's detrimental fucking with my thesis The penetration's exact like heliosynthesis I rip your shit to pieces after draining out your fluid My vocab is fluent, yours is evident of being truant I know you wanna make moves, but son, you best to take a second look before my night takes a book Cause everybody rapping and only few can flow So why the hell they trying to deal with live? I don't know I handle true MCs on their block or at their show So if you got some bullshit, please keep it on the low Cause yo, I got the hair splitting, self-written, unbitten Style that leaves the competition running, scared and shitting in their pants You best to set it off cause black, it ain't no second chance Once I'm open, all you're doing is hoping that the live one Will put the mic down, but son, don't try to snatch it after The laughter won't cease from the comparison, I dare you, son Step around the booth when I'm on the microphone magician says poof, you're going with the wind. So what would you say has been your proudest musical moment to date? I mean, be it, you know, a, a gig or performance or something that you've been linked into in some way. Uh, I don't know. It's all kind of a blur, like kind of mushed together, really. Um, proudest musical moment. That, that'd be kind of hard to say. The one that comes to mind right now is... um. When All of the Above came out, it was considered my second first album because the first album had such a, a rough release. And, um, you know, Coup d'Etat did like this really, really fancy uh, album release party in this this very expensive hotel downtown Manhattan. And, you know, Prince Paul was there and all of these producers were there and everybody involved with the record. And I was performing it. But my mother was there. So it was like the first time she got to see, you know, me performing my element, you know, with my contemporaries and all my oh, colleagues. Nice. So that that stands out as a moment. But I mean, there's there's dozens and dozens of, of you know, there's, there's met a lot of moments, you know. <laughs> I guess that, that reflects the fact that I'm pretty old. <laughs> but, uh, you know, digging back as far as I can, I'd probably, that might be... That's a pretty cool one to, to give as an anecdote. Yeah, that's amazing. And what's your own personal music collection like? Are you finding that it's becoming more digital or are you vinyl-led or, or are you No, it's very both? digital. I, my vinyl is my vinyl. Um, you know, I'm not trying to sell it. It's pretty beat up because I was, you know, a high school DJ. <laughs> but uh, I listen, I use Tidal to stream and uh, I listen to music primarily on title whether I have it or not just because you know they, they pay the most to artists per stream um, mm. and you can access title in Serato so when I DJ I can you know I can set up playlists and crates uh, and it's kind of I'd say it's about 60 40 well it's not even necessarily percentage wise if I'm playing old music chances are it's from uh, from my from my crates and if I'm playing new music chances are it's from uh 
playlists I've made in Tidal. And how do you find DJing digitally? Do you, are you preferring it over using vinyl when it was just straight vinyl and no option? No, not necessarily. I mean, there's still, vinyl is still fun. Um, I think the technology <laughs> has made things uh, easier, but that's not to say that if you're starting now and didn't have a vinyl collection that, that you can't be a legitimate DJ or don't have skill. I just think, you know, like, CDs were easier than cassettes. Cassettes were easier than 8-tracks. Yeah. Vinyl is just a sort of timeless medium because it's been so romanticized and because, you know, the art form of turntablism is, has, has kind of developed from it. But, it, I mean, even people that aren't turntablists are still collectors of vinyl in ways that, you know, that it doesn't compare to... I mean, other, other mediums don't compare, you know what I mean? You know, I think with the Serratos and the... The tractors of the world. I think uh, the hand skills are just like they used to be. And I mean, even with the, you know, the, the new turntables now that are controllers or the little, the sticks that go on your turntable to where, you know, they're, they're just yeah. basically feeding cold. I think phase. it's beautiful. Yeah, phase. Thank you. Um, I think uh, the basic tactile hand skills are still the same, but the technology allows us to push the envelope even more i think that's beautiful you know yeah no definitely but i like the fact that vinyl has a resurgence to where you can still press it even though it's expensive to press you can still press it and make a profit that's mm. uh you know that's a testament to the dedication of the culture and the, and the, the attitude of collectors and, and turntablists alike definitely it's it's really nice seeing that it's i know it's been close as a resurgence but there's always been that vinyl scene really hasn't mm-hmm. there it's just being noticed that a little bit more recently which is nice uh, sure. nice good so what have you got planned musically for, for 2021 and beyond and so on have you are you working on things currently yeah i'm working on an instrumental record it's sort of a electronic hip-hop that's called um it's called solar tracks um, I'm also working on a secret project that I can't really discuss with you until it's until it's ready. <laughs> um, and then there's uh, just trying to keep my regular release schedule on my very very grassroots underground network of uh, Bandcamp, which mm. is uh, realjlive.bandcamp.com, yeah. and page- Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash realjlive, where I make exclusive releases just for those art, just for those uh, those fans and followers and those platforms. So whereas, you know, I have stuff on on all the streaming platforms like Spotify that are, that are, that are more mainstream releases, but I have a, a whole nother a level of, you know, independent stuff that I just put out, you know, and those limited means for the people that have uh, just been diehards, my, my, my little cult following, so to speak. I mean, it's been interesting watching how you've been doing that because the... The digital releases have split off in that way, haven't they? Because I mean, the when you had had a few tracks coming out, so things like hating, yep. that was like the last thing on certain channels. But then it's it's moving more towards Bandcamp and so on. I mean, are you right? How how are you finding that in terms of you know you said about Patreon and Bandcamp and so on? Do you do you like the concept behind those kind of things? Are you find that it helps you as an artist? Yeah, I mean, it works for me in this sense. Um, the streaming platforms, while that is the undeniable wave of the future and that is the direction that the industry has taken and you can't really fight City Hall, you know, and get people to start paying for music, 
that they now expect for free or to have access to everything for ten to fifteen dollars now mm. per month on a subscription basis. It's like okay, but those same platforms are making tons of money on advertising, and there'd be no advertising if it wasn't for the music, and they're paying fractions of fractions of pennies per stream for people's attention. It might even be right, but it's not fair. It's not, you know, artists don't get a fair share of that economy, that ecosystem, so to speak. So, having said that, I kind of look at it like the movie industry, where, you know, you might pay a subscription for Netflix, but that doesn't mean that Netflix has everything. Some things you have to go buy outside of Netflix. Some things you have to watch other places outside of Netflix. So I think you know the same can be said for the streaming services, whether it be Spotify, Google Play, Title, Apple Music. Yes, it behooves an artist to put himself in these places, in these markets, to you know gain exposure and, and increase an audience and service an audience that expects to you know consume their music that way. Mm-hmm. But if it's not going to be a fair share of the profit, they don't necessarily deserve everything. You know what I mean? So I have music that I put out on those streaming services and I'm going to have music that's specifically for vinyl and music that's specifically for Patreon, music that's specifically for Bandcamp, you know, music that's specific to, you know, the merchandise table on tour. Mm -hmm. And those are the ways to generate other, you know, streams of revenue to compensate for the fact that the streaming services, as dominant as they might be, do not pay the artists what they deserve yeah definitely i mean it's great that you feel like there's strength in the way that you can move between those different platforms and utilize them it's, oh, for uh, sure. plus that way i don't i don't necessarily overexpose or give people so much music that they take it for granted you know the people that mm-hmm. are after my constant flow are you know my diehards you know what i mean yeah yeah definitely well, Jay Live, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us and, and best of luck with, with the future of your music and yeah, look forward to hearing all the future releases. But Absolutely. You can keep up with everything at uh, realjlive.com. Thank you, man. Cool. My well, pleasure. take care and uh, yeah, we'll speak soon. You too. Peace. Peace. Stalling the sepulchre, searching for solutions in the numbers like Sudoku. No point in Harakiri. It's not time for the fat lady to play Mariah Carey. I might be down a couple runs a year, it's kinda scary. But I ain't even stretch it to the sands of Harry Carey. It's not even the seventh, it might just be the Sabbath. The rest before my genesis. I'm chilling in the lab with the light, and it's good. See my way through the labyrinth until it's understood that my amazing grace is frankly Frankie Beverly. I wish you happy feelings. I'm feeling like Jordan was right, made a roof be the Closest to your ceiling So we could be the most high Like we supposed to be You catch my double drift Contact with or without a script The stimulant supposedly Activating that which you already composed of See I, 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 I paint a picture in your mind With each rhyme I, 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 I paint a picture in your mind With each rhyme I, I paint a picture in your mind With each rhyme 
picturing your mind with each rhyme. find out more about each episode, including the tracks played, go to thefinemag.com.